0: stops a pac-12 podcast brought to you by home field apparel i'm carlos at equity burn joining me live ambiguous pac-12
1: fan avery at brave grapes
2: good morning
1: Greg at banana morphs i'm being cooked by the state of washington right now and for the last time
0: ever read at pac-10 read
1: i hate Caleb love
0: we got a fun show for you today (laughs) fun basketball discourse lots of uh, angry people here on the chat I don't know why you all are so upset Uh, I'm feeling pretty good actually Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel like the video comment away with your thoughts in the YouTube chat follow us and tweet us at no truck stops pod on Twitter send us in your questions and rants and of course podcast listeners we have not forgotten about you follow the show on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star review as always we've got football episodes and football content over on our Patreon at notruckstops.com for just $5 a month. Reed dropped his way too early Pac-12 rankings for 2024 and we reacted to them. We talked about how each team's new conferences digs uh, are going to affect their over-under win totals and more, more, more. Uh, that plus, I wrote a piece arguing how Oregon State is actually not in such a dire situation Despite everyone talking about how much talent they've lost. Uh, that sounds interesting to you to go check that out at our Patreon again at no truckstuffs.com. Reed, I was curious to hear your thoughts. You're a roster sicko, and I did uh, I channeled my inner read and decided to dig deep into the roster. Any quick thoughts about that uh, that thing I wrote?
3: I thought your analysis was actually surprisingly pretty fair. Um <laughs> I mean, they they definitely have reloaded on talent. I think they still need a little bit of a rebuild to kind of push yep. that all together and develop but they didn't take like a major step down in terms of the the piece of clay i guess that they're working with and i think i think they can get back to where they've been if they have a good oc yeah
0: oregon state football um is maybe not maybe not in such dire straits anyway so go check that out at notruckstops.com all right today we have a jam-packed basketball episode there's so much to break down talk about we'll talk about Jordan Pope's cold-blooded murder of Arizona and Gill Coliseum. We'll talk about road woes in the Pac-12. We'll talk about some marquee women's games. But first, let's talk about Arizona going to Eugene and beating up on Oregon 87-78. to Caleb Love exploded for 36 points off 12 for 18 shooting. Kylan Boswell, he had a nice bounce back game himself. He had four. He had 14 points, two boards, three assists. Um, the Wildcats now move into a tie with Oregon for first in the Pac-12 at 6-3. and three. Reed, thoughts on this game? You know, I I, my immediate
3: thing is, is this as simple as like when Arizona shoots well, they're really fucking hard to beat. That felt like the (laughs) difference between the game on Thursday and the game on Saturday. It's just like, yeah, Caleb Love was fucking cooking. (laughs) If if (laughs) Caleb Love shoots that well, you are probably screwed. Add into the fact, like you mentioned, like Kylan Boswell, who kind of had a stinker um, against Oregon State and people were pretty down on had that rebound game that you talked about um and it was really unfortunate for Oregon because I mean Oregon is right on that edge of the bubble right now um and I think this was a game that they really needed you know Oregon Oregon needed and honestly in some ways the conference needed Arizona to have the performance they had against Oregon State against Oregon to help Oregon get in the tournament uh, yeah. and I think that now with what Oregon did against Arizona and the loss against Utah, like it's really an uphill battle um for the Ducks. And despite the fact that I think this is a pretty good team, I don't know. It's it's still just the Ducks don't have that guy um who can take over as a guard really, even getting their centers back, even with a great game from Benfali Dante, uh, more than holding his own in the Umar Baolo one-on-one matchup. It's like Jermaine Cousinard taking the bulk of the shots didn't really have it. And the other guys who we had all hoped, like Jackson Schelstad, had flashed at times and said, Is this a guy who's the best freshman in the conference? Is he a guy who could sneak on to a second team all conference or something? Does not look like that at all now. Um, Has, you know, disappears at times in these games. And they just don't have another guy to step up and do that if Cousinard's not going.
0: Yeah, and they also uh, lost maybe potentially for significant amounts of time. Keyshawn Bartholomew, who went down with a brutal ankle injury. I mean, I think I think he rolled his ankle so hard his shoe came off, uh, which is a little concerning. So, and he was had to, I think he had to be carried off uh, by some of his teammates. So, that's tough stuff for for Oregon. Uh, moving to the, thinking about the Arizona side, Greg, did you get to check out this game? And do you feel <laughs> do you feel better about Arizona because? our homie Turner in the chat he says uh what makes this even funnier is that Arizona lost to Oregon State and I feel better about the team now than before the trip Do do you agree you feel like you're feeling better about Arizona we'll get to the Oregon State game in a minute but you feel better about Arizona after watching
1: them beat Oregon the way they did I completely agree with Reed when he said that the difference between performance one this week and performance two on the Oregon road trip for Arizona is the shooting like when Arizona shoots like that, there's not a team in the Pac-12 that can beat them. I feel very confident in saying that. Uh that being said, man, I love watching Caleb Love Cook like that. I want to see more. <laughs> um I would love to see him be more of a featured part of the offense because I do think he is him he he's a big part of how they break out of the problems they had last year specifically. Like you don't lose to a Princeton when you have a Caleb Love, I don't think, because last year it was like Kirk Carissa trying to get the offense going by taking like heat check shots. <laughs> <laughs> but Caleb Love takes those shots, and they might actually go in, you know? Caleb Love can go for 36, as we just saw. And Arizona, to me, is still the best team in the conference. I, I feel pretty good about that, even with the Oregon State loss. Uh, they're just not what they've been... In past years, they're not complete juggernauts, but that's okay. They're still the best team in the conference. And uh, I'm weirdly feeling okay about them making a run in March because on the one hand, (laughs) they'll probably lose early. Like, they'll probably lose early. But the fact that it feels unlikely that they'll make it further than round two almost makes me, like, want to bet on them making further than round two (laughs) because, of course, Caleb Love will drag (laughs) them that far. Of course, Keyshawn Johnson will just make some absurd defensive plays, make some rebound in the midst of like four of the opposing team's players, and then launch it up to Caleb Love for a transition three, and boom, Arizona will go on like a 12-0 run because they can do that. Uh, I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun with the Arizona team right now. I've decided to stop thinking of them in terms of frauds or not frauds. I'm just thinking of them as as something fun to watch i i love it i love this arizona team <laughs> it's 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 been quite the roller
0: coaster to your to reading greg's point about shooting um arizona is 10 and 0 when it shoots 38 percent or better from three five and five when they shoot below that is kind of a striking kind of a striking correlation there uh grapes what do you think about Arizona? They beat Oregon. They go to Eugene. They managed to uh, beat the Ducks on that ugly ass court. You feeling better about them? Or are you feeling, uh, I don't know, how are you feeling about Arizona?
2: I mean, didn't we have the conversation like two weeks ago, whether Oregon is the better team in the conference than yeah. Arizona? It's nice to have that question answered. I feel like, Greg, it's pretty clear that Arizona is the best team in the conference. Like the Oregon State game, um, which I am I don't know, if I'm sure we'll talk about, but like, I don't it's a road game and road games have been bad for everyone. So it's not the end of the world. And getting that big win against Oregon really helps the way that they look. So I'm, I'm excited about Caleb love too. He's so much fun to watch. He's like the most fun player in this conference. Very terrifying um, (laughs) as someone who's not an Arizona fan, but like he is electric to watch going back to Oregon. I don't think Oregon fans should feel too bad because Nafali Dante hasn't been a hundred percent. And he like, is starting to look that way and he is probably the best big man in the conference like he's fucking good when he's healthy and i'm glad that he wasn't healthy against utah because wow he i think he's getting really good i saw a lot of shit about him after the utah game but the fact that he's just getting better every week is a good sign for oregon and again best team in the conference losing to them isn't the worst thing in the world so i, don't, I still think oregon can be a tournament team.
0: Yeah, I think Oregon is set up well to make a tournament run here, um, and I—I I don't know. I mean, I'm of the opinion that they are able to do that. I think they're—I think they have a top two or three roster in the Pac-12 just with all of the size and the athleticism they have. Uh, Nate Biddle and Folly Dante. Um, now that they're healthy, they look like they can probably run out there. It, you know, I've got some thoughts about Caleb Love because I think he's an absurd player, but. Jermaine Cousinard, uh, he's, he's fantastic as like, you know, a 45 year old, uh, basketball player out there (laughs) with a bunch of kids. Um, but to Reed's point, it's like, they really got to make sure that Jackson Shellstad um, is, is going, he's kind of, he kind of is an important player. Maybe even their most important player when you really think about it in terms of, you know, uh, their creation, their ability to get shots when things are not working, um, uh, They're shooting right, like all of those things. I feel like jo- Jackson Shellstad does a lot for them, and in order for them to be a legitimate contender for the conference and for an NCAA tournament bid, I think they got to get him going. Um, and they are now Oregon is one and three over their last four. Of course, it's the two mountain schools, which we know is kind of a, a nightmare, a nightmare trek. Um, and then losing to Arizona at home, it's a good, it's a good Arizona team. It's a top five team per Ken Palm. I'd say it's probably you know. Their quality level is like 15, 20, but now they got to go to the LA schools. USC, probably a little bit of a pushover maybe, but UCLA is starting to figure some stuff out. So it's going to be a weird, weird track uh, for Oregon. I think we've got some stuff to figure out about them. Um, Real quick about Caleb Love. He's putting together a nice little conference player of the year argument here um, with the way that he's been playing. I don't know. I mean, just if we're thinking about that as, like, best player on the best team, it probably is his. Um, And and we're talking about it in terms of the most valuable. It might be his, too. He, I think, weird to say, is the reason that Arizona is in the games that they are in. It, It felt to me that he was the reason that Arizona beat Oregon yesterday um he was by far their best player it looked like he was the only one who was willing to shoot um the only one willing to score at any sort of reasonable clip the only one willing to take tough shots um the only one who was who stayed aggressive offensively that arizona team like what's weird about them and we can i'm curious to hear what you think greg what's weird about them is a lot of those players tend to go missing a little bit uh they tend to uh, disappear Paolo Larson can do that we know that he's capable of that Kylan Boswell we have seen I mean he had zero points and like two assists over the past two games uh that hasn't looked particularly good um and and Amar Balo does not look particularly good Keisha Johnson's great but he's not a scorer right I think he's he's consistently one of their toughest players it feels like Keisha Johnson and Caleb Love are the only ones who are i don't know maintaining any sort of mental fortitude and, and caleb love has been incredible he's been a great shooter he's had a great season he's had the best season of his college career i think even better than his one year at north carolina uh that one year at north carolina he had, he's obviously there for three i don't know greg what do you think you feel like uh do you feel like caleb love has a legitimate pacto player of the year argument you feel like he's the reason arizona's uh playing as well as they are
1: I don't think he does. Uh, Okay, interesting. I would would personally rather give it to a guy who is more of a focal point of their team. And no, I'm not just saying that for Brandon Carlson. I think Brandon (laughs) Carlson has lost some steam. But like a KJ Simpson type player, you know? Like a guy who just would... The team would fall apart without them. And I don't think that's necessarily true with Caleb Love. Uh, I don't know. This team... If you asked Arizona fans, I think they made. They are definitely worse. They are definitely (laughs) worse without him. But like, just the way, maybe maybe I'm being tainted by how he was used early in the year. Maybe it's just that. Like, he really has gotten so much better and more important. But I still feel like Arizona has enough else that they don't need him. Like, even Jordan Pope, who we will get to soon. Interesting. (laughs) You think he has an argument? Okay. Okay. I think he absolutely has an argument the way he has played for them. But, uh, yeah, I would prefer to give it to a guy on a worse team who's doing more. To me,
3: I feel like Caleb Love is, like, an additive for Arizona. Like, mm-hmm. he's not, like, something that is fundamental to who they are. He's not, like, the cake. He's, like, the frosting, you know? And, like, sometimes he's he's really fucking good and takes them to that next level. But to me, Kylan Boswell is a guy who, obviously, I don't think should win Pac-12 Player of the Year. But like in the games where Arizona has fallen apart, I feel like Boswell's the guy whose energy is not there, Um, Hmm. and I feel like that is like something fundamental to their identity. Where he's not on, and they kind of fall apart. Against Wazoo, he had zero points, zero for five. Against Oregon State, he had zero points on zero for three in two games that they lost. Like. When he's making some shots and then is able to be more comfortable facilitating the offense and have more of a presence, I feel like that's what unlocks, like that's what brings the base base of Arizona to like a competent good level, and then Caleb loves like the guy on top of that who. I don't know. He just, he still kind of feels like a free agent to me. Like he feels like he's kind of added <laughs> into the Arizona team, you know? Like he's a hired gun almost, but he's not le- like. I don't know. It's just weird. He doesn't feel integral for some yeah, reason. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. That said, like, obviously in the Oregon game, like, he was obviously the most important player in that game. Like, if I <laughs> as an Oregon fan, if I could say one guy didn't show up to that game, like, who would I choose? Obviously, it's fucking the dude who scored 36 and torched <laughs> my team. But, yeah. I, it's just weird. I don't know.
2: I think he'll still win player of the year because he is the best player on the best team and that's what the media loves to do. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did do that, yeah. But
0: God, it just feels so. It I don't know. How, I feel like I've said it like seven different times this season, where it's like, "Wow, if Caleb Love is not in this game. Arizona is losing." It feels yeah. it just so often feels like mm-hmm. he's the only one with a pulse out there. Sometimes like this Arizona team, deeply frustrating in a myriad of ways. They, uh, they they have a lot of like like. I think it's a weird trend that Tommy Lloyd's teams have just are missing a little bit of mental fortitude to be able to stay locked in um, and to be able to do well against bad teams and to be able to stay awake. And then, you know, obviously they wake up in games and it's way too late. They get frustrated. and they. But Caleb Love feels like he's the only one who stays in the game, I think, on both sides of the f- – uh, both ends of the floor, right? Like, offensively, uh, we know, like, uh, uh, can get hot and is a scorer and we will take – any shot that's available to him, but defensively too feels like he's the only one who stays uh, active and connected. It's, it's really weird. I don't know. Caleb love. I think has been, um, has, has probably done a little bit more caring than I feel like people have given him credit for. I don't know. Gosh, I just don't know if I feel like he's an additive right now. It feels like he has to be way more, uh, for Arizona than, I think Arizona should probably want, like, I don't think you want a guy who's like known for going on a heater um, to be your, 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 you know, your foundation, but he kind of is right now. I, I don't know. Um, I'm curious to see how, how that shakes out because I think he's going to get, he's going to be in the argument. He's going to be first team all pack 12. I know that for a fact, just because of how much he's scoring and everyone loves to sort points and that sort of thing. So he will get there, but in terms of the advanced analytics, like he is ninth in the Pac-12 in player efficiency. He's third in the Pac-12 in win shares. He's fourth in the Pac-12 in offensive win shares. He's tenth in the Pac-12 in defensive win shares. He's third in the Pac-12 in win shares per forty minutes. He's second in the in the Pac-12 in box plus minus. Um, he's eighth in the Pac-12 in offensive rating. He's tenth in the Pac-12 in defensive rating. Like he has. The analytic profile um, to go along with, you know, watching these games qualitatively, he's 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 great. I think he's a fantastic player, but we'll see. I don't know. I feel I feel really weird about Arizona. Let's let's move on really quick to the second part of their trip. <laughs> maybe maybe the most interesting. It's unfortunate that uh, that game happened first. Um, Arizona did lose a trip uh, in this game. Someone mentioned here uh, if that the Arizona uh, our boy Sean Cross said. The Arizona schools visiting the Oregon schools before the weekend. If someone said only one of those four teams would go two and o, and it would be Oregon State, you would have died laughing. Oregon State did go two and o against the Arizona schools. Two like one very good Arizona team, and then you know uh, an up and down, chaotic but not horrible Arizona State team. Oregon State ends up coming away with a win thanks to Jordan Pope, Oregon star- Oregon State star point guard. Uh, he scored thirty one, including a step back buzzer beating game winning three to beat Arizona eighty three to eighty. This game was a blast. This game was so much fun. Gill Coliseum was rocking. The court got stormed. Graves, what did you think of uh, Jordan Pope's shot and and the way that game ended?
2: Oh my God, it was so cool. Are you kidding me? That's like the best thing that happens in basketball. It was so (laughs) fucking electric. It was just like the most perfect buzzer beater I've ever seen. It was so clear. Uh, That game was so much fun. I was watching it with uh, our homie, Zach, who's an Oregon state fan. So that just made it even more fun. Like we were all screaming and jumping and running around the living room. It was so much fun, but like it wasn't a bad night for Arizona either. Like they were okay shooting. So that made it even better. Like I feel like with a, in the past with Arizona's losses, um, someone's having a down night or like they're not shooting very well. But they had they had plenty of guys that were shooting okay. Keisha Johnson had 18 points, uh, Pella Larson had 17, Caleb Lubb had 23, and Krivas had 10 off the bench. So like they weren't having a bad shooting night. Jordan Pope's just so fucking electric. That's that's who should be Player of the Year, Jordan Pope. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That'd be wild if uh, Oregon State got a Player of the Year candidate. Uh, he he might be first team All Conference. We'll see. I mean they had like they have like 10. Uh, I think the, their all-conference team is like 10 players, first team, and their if, second team yeah. is another 10.
1: With the way the Pac-12 first-team all-conference works, it will be a travesty if Jordan Pope is yeah. not first-team all-conference.
0: Yeah, yeah, he really should be. And Oregon State maybe starting to figure some stuff out. I don't know. It's that it's, it, This was in Gill Coliseum, and we'll talk a little bit about Pac-12 road woes. But this game, I mean, the way it ended was just, uh, it was absurd. It felt like Arizona had clawed back. I think Oregon State had had pretty much pinned... Arizona to a wall uh for for this game Oregon State got up early um there they got down early they clawed their way back in took a lead Arizona clawed their way back this is a bit of a back and forth affair um and then and then at the end it's like it wasn't just the Jordan Pope shot I don't know if anyone like I'm not sure if you all remember but like there was a couple of dudes hitting threes that, that were like, that should not have gone in. <laughs> um, uh, Michael Rattai, Re, um, I think it's Rattai, right? Rattaj. Um, I'm pretty sure, I always forget how do you, how I, you think Retai. I think it's Rattai. I think it's Rattai, too. Um, he hit a contested three, like, at the buzzer, I think, at, a shot, <laughs> at the end of a shot clock. That gave uh, Oregon State, that kept Oregon State connected. Tyler Bilodeau? For some reason, was out there uh drilling threes. He had a late one that was just like out of nowhere Um, that kept Oregon State in it. Uh, and then Jordan Pope, yeah, and ended it off with uh, a three that put them ahead. The, th- the funny thing about that three is like that was one of the most cold-blooded three-point win- buzzer-beating win- game winners that I've ever seen. It wasn't like – here's the thing. We get these like – You know, the guy's gonna get up to half court and jack it up and you know it goes in or even three quarters court or like even like fifty feet from the basket and he's like kind of in transition and it's at the buzzer and it's kind of a Hail Mary. This was this remind this had a bit uh poor the the joint Beavers Blazers fans will love this. This is a little Dame Lillard to to me. Like he's dribbling, he's got it with like seven seconds left. Bill Walton's like, he's going too slow. What is he doing? (laughs) Um on the on the broadcast. Uh, taking his time, gets to the to the to the elbow, and then like takes a step back three. like he stepped stepped back <laughs> into that. And honestly, it looked like it got blocked. Like just from the angle when I first watched, it, I'm like, did he touch that? Like, I couldn't tell. It turns out he didn't, and he just drained it. Um, that's has to be one of the coldest three point uh, buzzer beating wins i've I've ever seen. like it's just. It's not the same as a half court this he he intended to do that, held the ball the entire time and killed him. Jordan yeah.
1: Pope is so March. Like Yes, <laughs> yes. That shot, I saw that, I was like, that is March. The confidence as he did it, like you can tell as he took that shot, nobody has ever been more sure of anything than Jordan Hope <laughs> uh, so was. True. It wasn't a desperate He was winning Chuck. the game in that moment.
2: <laughs> like, usually those shots are like a little bit out of desperation. That was not. He no. knew what he was doing. <laughs> he wanted it so bad.
1: Like you uh. could have asked him, do you want an open layup where nobody defends you? Or do you want that shot? And he would have said, I want that shot every time. Yeah. He's, he's so amazing. cool. Pac-12, first team, all Greg. Uh, like, he's <laughs> phenomenal player. Yeah.
0: Uh, he's He's been awesome for Oregon State. I, I think he doesn't get enough love just because of the fact that, you know, Oregon State has struggled this season. They're much better. I, I think it must be said. I think they're a better team than they were last year. But it's like, they go to the mountain schools, get their ass kicked twice. Right? Like, just beat up. De- like, I sort of felt like, all right, I think Oregon State might be colla- collapsing here after being competitive and you know staying connected in some of these games, including going to the Washington schools. Um, then they get then they get blasted by the Mountain schools, and I'm sort of wondering. Uh, we'll see what happens with Oregon State. I, I I'm a little worried about them, um, but to sweep the Arizona schools to kick it off with a big win over Arizona with that Jordan Pope uh, buzzer beater, electric stuff. I'm curious to see what Oregon State does right now uh, because I think you know that's the kind of stuff that can that can, you know, help you, help you figure some shit out, uh, and get going. So, um, we'll see. I was a fun, uh, a fun game. Reed, did you have any thoughts about the Jordan Pope shot, uh, Oregon State beating Arizona? The whole shot making was ridiculous. And I,
3: I mean, yeah, that's, really that's part of the reason why I don't feel that bad about Arizona because like, it wasn't like Oregon State was just like dying out and, And like Arizona just didn't grab it like Arizona came back and grabbed that game and Oregon State just like grabbed it right back from them with their shot making at the end. I just really hope this is what we get in the Pac-12 tournament. We need one of these teams (laughs) like it has to be one of the bottom eight or nine teams making a run like this. We need some random team to steal that automatic qualifier um who's not already slotted in the tournament like whoever it is it's going to be electric there's a lot of teams in that bottom half or more even that like are super fun if it's oregon state if it's fucking cal like i don't know who it could be but it it would be really fun if one of these teams went on a run because they all kind of have guys like this and i think jordan pope might be the most exciting of any of them on those bottom half rosters um who seem like they could be march and like make a special run like that
2: March of 2021 is still the best <laughs> month of basketball I have ever had in my entire life. And if Oregon State could like even replicate that just a tiny little bit... I'm not even asking for an Elite Eight. Like, if they just win one game, if they just go to the round of 32, then I...
0: You're asking them to go to the round of 32? You need them to
2: win the Pac-12. <laughs> no, but obviously I need them to win the Pac-12. <laughs> or else it wouldn't come close. But like, please... I need it. That'd be so great. Um,
0: about this, on February 11th, 2021, uh, 19, Oregon State is 10-9 now, 19 games into the season. Um, in 2021, they go to 10-9. They were 10-9 at this same exact point uh, in the season. They, uh, So it's possible. I mean, Oregon State wasn't going to get in the tournament as an at-large team that year. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they had to win the conference tournament. But to Reed's point, like there's a lot of teams that could make the conference tournament that Wednesday, where it's like you know the teams without buys who are playing each other. Typically, it's like all right, you got a bunch of dog shit teams, and like you know, Greg and I were there, and it was like it was fun. Loved loved going and watching Oregon State, Arizona State. That was fun. And but like this year, I feel like it's the the level of play, the quality of play at the bottom of the league, Mm -hmm. is good enough to to make that you know a a real event uh we're all gonna be there we got a bunch of friends who are coming it's gonna be a blast It's gonna be the last ever big pac 12 event i think um but yeah it's it's cal is going to be a nightmare team they are they have a bunch of hoopers they have a bunch of dudes who can shoot the lights out they are going to be fun to watch in vegas uh oregon state Obviously has Jordan Pope. Obviously, has a bunch of other guys that can figure some sh- shit out. Arizona State obviously has a bunch of guys who can upset anyone who's in front of them. USC will be the worst team in the Pac 12. They're gonna be playing on a Wednesday. Watching Bronny James and maybe Isaiah Collier if he decides to come back. And you know, Kobe Johnson and DJ Rodman, Vince Uchuku, they're gonna be Wednesday guys. Like they are playing on Wednesday. It's gonna be fun. That Wednesday uh for the Pac 12 basketball tournament. It's going to be a blast. I do think you're right, Reed. I think one of those teams, my hot take, one of Cal, UCLA, Oregon State, uh, USC, or Washington is going to make a semifinal. My hot take is maybe one of them will make the final. I think one of them could make the final. I, th-
2: I think you got to take Washington out of that group, man. Yeah, okay. I, I, take, well, I don't
0: know why I said Washington. <laughs> you anyway. uh, I'm taking Washington out of that group. Although, they did just beat the shit out of Utah. Yeah,
2: so. well, <laughs> that was on the
0: road. Doesn't count. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Let's do a little bit of wazoo discourse because they had themselves a nice little weekend. The Cougs sweep the Mountain Schools in Pullman, beating Utah on Wednesday 79 57, followed by a win over Colorado 78 69. Cougs. Had a range of contributors over this past weekend. Miles Rice had 17 points against Colorado. Isaac Jones putting him putting he's putting together a nice little season himself. He had 17 against Utah, but the Cougs are now only a half game back out of first place in the Pac-12. They're up to number 45 in Kempom. Grapes, any thoughts about what you saw from Wazoo this week?
2: I'm just thinking about what it must feel like to be DJ Rodman right now. Yeah. That's just fucking brutal to transfer to USC and then like see your USC being bad obviously and then see your former team like looking like a tournament team. It's hard because I've been so unsure about Wazoo this entire season. Like just I don't know, they haven't played anyone great. They're still technically a quad one team right now, but like then you get the Mountain Schools at home who are like the worst on the road compared to how they play at home. But like, I don't know how I can possibly feel bad about Washington State right now because they didn't drop one of these games and they could have lost to Colorado pretty easily. So, yeah, I think they're a tournament team. Um, i I need to keep seeing them win against teams that aren't the mountain schools on the road because, yikes, they're pretty bad. But, yeah, I think they should be in the tournament.
0: Uh, I am of the opinion that Washington State might actually be a real team. I think they might be kind of legit. I, I think we've got to figure some stuff out. I want to see them play um, on the road. They're going to get a th- good three a three game road stretch upcoming here at Washington, at Oregon State, at Oregon, at Washington. Okay, I mean Washington is I don't know a, enough of a chaotic team to present problems. If they can get away from you know the Apple Cup there and with a win against Washington in Seattle, that would be important. Um, and then. Or at oregon state at oregon if they go one and one in that trip i think that would be an, a, another big step forward but they have to go two and one i think over this next three road game stretch at least to make me feel like they're a real team um and i think they might be they're now five and one over their last six they're six and two over their last eight i think that they've put some stuff together and they've and those two losses are, are tough close losses one to a cow team read you and i said Wazoo's probably going to lose to Cal, but I actually think Cal might be good. This is the thing. It's like, I don't think the Pac-12 has any very good teams at the top, but it does have a lot of really interesting, intriguing, fun, decent-ish teams at the bottom. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I, I really like Miles Rice is an awesome scorer. I don't know that he's at the level of a Caleb love. Washington state fans will kill me for saying that. Um, But I think he's a good player. Isaac Jones, I think he's a great big, it should be
2: a hot take.
0: That, Caleb that he's Love not is.
2: on the same level as Caleb Love. It's
0: a hot take for uh, Washington State fans. Well, they are yeah, convinced.
2: obviously yeah. it's a hot take for them. <laughs> but be serious. Like, if you actually think that he's on the same level as Caleb Love, please like dunk your head in a bucket of ice water <laughs> and wake the fuck up. That's Miles ridiculous. Rice is a, is a great player though. He's I think really he's, good. He's I think he's really going to be.
0: I think he's going to be somewhere. He's going to be threatening and all an uh, a first team all conference bid. I think he'll probably end up in the second team is, is my guess, like high on the second team. We'll see, but he's been uh he's been fantastic this season. I don't know, Washington State is just so balanced. Like they have great uh play from their bigs. Uh, I think Oscar Clough, who is, you know, I don't know, he's like a big uh big lumbering white guy with a big old beard. Um he's he has done really well. Isaac Jones also I think has a lot of size there. Andrej Jakimowski has had a decent shooting season. Miles Rice is a great scorer. They've got some size off the bench. Uh, Washington State does have a, a looks like it has a roster that is balanced enough. I think to to be a good team. I, I'm curious to see how far they can get. Um, I'm curious to see what their ceiling is. I don't think their ceiling is obviously like you know top 25 team or anything like that. But they look like a tournament team. They look like they should be able to beat some of these teams. The problem is with Washington State. Sometimes they can, they can lose their heads a little bit. Um, and sometimes it looks like, why did I ever think that team was, was worth believing in? Kyle Smith is a weird coach. He's a very, very weird coach. It's been a very weird
1: time for him and Pullman. So, I don't know. Greg, do
0: you have any thoughts about Washington State?
1: I'm conflicted because Washington State is a team that I've been rooting against uh, because of the schedule they played in non-con. I was annoyed by them for not playing anybody, and I kind of wanted them to get humbled in the Pac-12. And they keep winning. Uh, they keep winning I kind of disagree with your uh, take that they can't be a top 25 team Uh, Utah was a top 25 team in Kempom before they went up to Pullman and Wazoo beat the shit out of them you know Uh, now there are some like extenuating circumstances Utah is not healthy and was especially not healthy in that game but Wazoo led the whole time you know Uh, I think this team on their night I think they can beat most teams in the country, I could see them making a run in March for sure. I I just, there's, it feels like there's something missing, though, that like keeps me from thinking, oh, yeah, they're going to make a run in March. Oh, yeah, they are better than people think they are. Cause I they're still, pretty small, aren't they? It might be that. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something that I feel like I'm missing with Wazoo that means I can't get them there. I can't think of them in the same way. That I think of, uh, I don't know the Utahs and the Colorados. Even though they just killed Utah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like Utah and Colorado are fraudulent now. I
0: yeah yeah I think they're frauds. <laughs> we'll get to the we'll get to Utah in a second here. I kind of think those teams are fraudulent. And Washington State, um, look, and we'll talk about the road woes in a minute here. Um, they have struggled on the road, but they also uh, they beat USC in Los Angeles. They beat Stanford in the Bay Area. It's probably as much as anyone else has done in the Pac-12 on the road. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I do feel like Washington State, something about the way that they've been playing has felt more sustainable to me. It felt, it's felt more repeatable. They're no longer reliant on getting hot from three. It feels like this season they've really had to retool with their losses of some of their three-point shooters. Um, and it's it's worked. So, I don't know. I've got thoughts. Let's Let's move over to Utah, the Utah side of this. Because Utah uh they went to 0 and two in their trip to the washington schools they got blown out by wazoo followed that up with a blowout loss uh to washington which grapes was at uh which continues kind of an interesting trend here um with with road teams we'll get to road teams in a little bit but utah entered this game number ranked number 21 in Kempom. entered this this trip to washington entered number 21 in Kempom. they're now number 41 after just two games Graves, what the hell is going on with Utah right now?
2: Oh my god, it's so fucking brutal. It makes me so mad. And I, I feel like I see a lot of fans and I did this too like blame it on road utah because it's so easy to be like oh it's just road utah but it, you arrive at the point where that matters not being able to win on the road in any capacity like d- genuinely matters when you look at this team as a team that like should be making the tournament with the amount of experience they have like we've been saying this about them all season if you continually lose every single road game you're not making the tournament like i genuinely do not give a fuck like how well you do at home you're not making the tournament and I don't know what it is. Like, all last night, that's what I was speculating. I'm like, there has to be a reason. Obviously, Utah's injured right now with Raleigh Wooster and um, Levering out. But, like, it shouldn't matter that much. You shouldn't be losing to Washington by almost 30. Like, I, I cannot wrap my head around why this is happening. Like, I understand the Washington State loss, especially because Smith rolled his ankle right at the beginning of the game and didn't play the game. So that, I'm like, okay, he's... Your hottest player right now, he's not playing, you're fucked. But when you watch them, last night, I have not watched a Utah basketball game that is that bad since Craig Smith's first season at Utah. Like they couldn't, it was that bad, Greg.
1: It was. was, I'm not disagreeing. Like
2: allowing Washington to shoot that much is absolutely abhorrent. I, I like don't even have words for it. I don't understand what was happening. Like you expect Keon Brooks Jr to go off and be crazy because he's just electric. He's an amazing player. But my issue is like why is Braxton Mia destroying Brandon Carlson in Capicata? Like there's no word for that. Like my only understanding could be possibly that they're not feeding them. They're not being fed. Utah does not have the budget to feed its players for road games. Like, I don't, <laughs> oh, 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 you mean like? You don't food. mean oh. like Brandon Carr is not getting fed in the no, post? Yeah, like, all, literal all, carbs. Oh, they're not eating. Okay. <laughs> I,
0: I could have sworn you were talking about like giving the ball yeah, to them. No,
2: it's. I, I'm sorry, there's These just boys no other are explanation. They're so hungry. It's so bad it's so bad and you know what i will find a little bit of joy in knowing that every other team is so bad on the road but utah's really bringing that percentage down
0: utah is is um i think like patient zero in terms of road disease right <laughs> so so um they're five and no at home oh and five at home and if you look at the box scores of those it's like they look like a dog shit team at on the road and look like a juggernaut at home it's absurd to me. Um yeah, Board David Smith, uh, the only only player appeared to show up in this game, you get 20 points off of a very nice 8 for 14 from the floor. But yeah, I mean, uh they gave up 24 three-point attempts to Washington. Washington converted on 11 of those, 45 46%. If you're shooting 46% clip from 3 off 24 shots, like you're probably going to blow out the other team. Uh, they, lose, more often they were than not.
2: uncontested too. Like, it felt like so many of the shots were just wide open shots. I think they were shooting extra well compared to how they usually play. But it just, there was no hustle from Utah. They lit Craig Smith literally threw, what's his name out there? Waylon? I don't even know who that Jake is. Whalen, Jake Waylon, the freshman
1: Wa- transfer from BYU.
2: Yeah, to be aggressive. To get some aggressiveness going. <laughs> I've and never he was the only one hustling. Name? And he played 16 minutes? Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, he like That's got playing time in the first 10 minutes of the game. It was ridiculous.
1: This this road trip I think showed Craig Smith's biggest flaws like very clearly. Number 1 flaw for Craig Smith has been and will continue to be roster building. It's not just like recruiting, but like he will not use his last scholarship every fucking year. He doesn't use the last scholarship and every year Utah has injuries and they collapse because, Oh no, we only have seven guys who can play. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's, it's becoming an issue. Like if this does not get fixed, he will not be here in two seasons and he shouldn't be here in two seasons. If he's going to continue to fuck around with the roster, And then, oh no, it's not my fault we had injuries. It is absolutely your fault. Furthermore, (laughs) how are you having your team this unprepared to play on the road? It's ridiculous. Uh, Like, Avery, you are so right. The way that, like, Brandon Carlson and KBK were getting dominated by Braxton Mia. That's the most embarrassing thing. Exactly. And they got dominated on the boards by Wazoo as well. You are the biggest team in the country. There is zero excuse. That is on you as a coach. And Frank
2: Kepnong isn't even healthy for Washington. He's like their best big man by far. Braxton Mia's coming off the bench. Wilhelm Breidenbach (laughs) is their starting big man. (laughs) Why is Wilhelm Breidenbach cooking you? What are you doing? (laughs) It's ridiculous. And... I guess the only positive thing to come out of this game is Kei o- had zero personal fouls. So
1: <laughs> yay, we did
2: it, everyone. Oh, it's so bad.
1: But also with the Wazoo game, I watched closer because there was like a longer period of time during that one. I thought Utah might win. <laughs> um, uh, like that game was interesting for longer than the, the UW-Utah game because with UW-Utah, it was like, oh yeah, Utah's getting blown out. That was very clear within the first few minutes. But against Wazoo... One thing that frustrated me and I think some other Utah fans on Twitter is Wazoo was getting a lot of calls that Utah wasn't getting. I thought the refs were pretty bad in that game. That's not why Utah lost. Absolutely not why Utah lost. But I would have loved to see Craig Smith like scream at the refs some more because <laughs> it works. Like Bobby yeah. Hurley does it, he gets calls. Dana Altman does it, he gets calls. Mick Cronin does it, he gets calls. Why are you not doing it, Craig Smith? Get some calls for your team. It's just ugh so frustrating to watch them go on the road and look like they've lost the game before it even starts. Yeah. Um What was going on with Gabe Mattson? Because his
0: line doesn't look his line does not look good and also defensively, uh
1: his defensive rating was horrific in this game. Literally no
2: explanation for this.
1: I think that we are seeing a problem of usage. I think uh, he is getting tired, would be my guess based on how much he has to do to make the offense work because whenever the offense doesn't work, uh, I think Bryce Hendricks, friend of the show <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I just saw the, the comment <laughs> Sam,
0: Our homie Sam Whiteley said Willem Breidenbach looks like he protects a
1: cave
2: Willem cooks I won't lie. I
1: totally forgot what I was saying I'm not gonna lie uh, uh, Something to do with Utah. Problem of usage Right, right. I think what happens, like Bryce Hendrick said, Utah just relies on him to do some insane shot making and shot creating to stay in games. And he does not have it. Like he does not have the energy to do that and then be really present on defense when you have a effective seven man rotation. Uh, I think they're just putting too much on him. And once again, I think it's on Craig Smith. But, I, go ahead. Yeah,
2: not having Raleigh Wooster like definitely mm-hmm. hurts there but I, they started the game with three turnovers so like I don't want to say it's because they were tired how are you gassed the first five seconds of the game <laughs> yeah. like, there's actually no explanation for yeah, that
0: bad turnovers some brutal, it's brutal turnovers it's not even like
2: a long flight <laughs> it's like an hour and a half there's genuinely no excuse for this like do th- yeah. they need to do a better job of simulating a road environment when they're in practice like I don't yeah. It's not the crowd noise, because Heck Ed is quiet <laughs> as fuck. I was literally there. Like, there was 10 Utah fans, and you could hear them pretty clearly. So it's not the crowd noise. Is it the travel? Is that taking a toll on you? Like, you play college sports. You need to be able to get on a flight and not lose your ability to play D1 basketball. I don't know what the issue is.
1: Well, it can't be the flight too because Utah wasn't terrible on neutral sites. Like... In in non-con Utah played pretty well on the neutral sites. Uh, it's weirdly just the road games that Utah can't play. <laughs> well, this is this is continuing. Let's let's transition over to this because I think it's interesting.
0: I mean, this is happening in college basketball broadly, but I think in the Pac-12 in particular, the Pac-12 being maybe one of the worst offenders. Um, road teams are struggling all across the league this season. Um, road teams are only winning twenty eight point six percent of their games this season in conference play. That's second worst in the country and in, in among all conferences. I think only the Big Ten might be
2: worse. What's no, the, the big percentage if you take Utah out of it, though?
0: I don't know. I mean, uh, if you it's take Utah... It's probably
2: closer to the yeah <laughs> national may, yeah, average, may, may,
0: but but a lot of these teams are not a single Pac-12 team has a winning record on the road this season so far. Uh, not a single one. So what's the deal here? Because I don't know. We obviously Utah's is the big is the is the big difference, right? They've five and zero at home, zero and five on the road. But no one ha- is above five hundred uh, in ro- on road games in the conference so far. Avery, I don't know. What do you think is going on with Pac twelve teams don't on the think road? Think there's
2: a big gap between the best teams and the worst teams, like there usually is. I think mm, that's part of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, who's the worst team in the conference this year? I, I don't even Washington. <laughs> I don't know. Like why, USC, no. and those aren't yeah, horrible. Maybe. Te- they're not. And I don't think it's a matter of like. Yeah, no one's, like, absolutely dog shit like we saw from Cal last year, right? But at the same time, nobody's incredible elite, like, above losing on the road. So I think that's part of it is, like, anyone can beat anyone, it feels like. But other than that, I just am not sure. Like, Utah's so confusing. You know, I expect a little bit of worse percentage on the road because travel does take its toll. But losing every single game, like, you literally played at Stanford. Why did you that that's the one that i'm like what is the reason for this there's no explanation here it was your single game like you didn't have to go to cal you only went to stanford why did you lose that
0: yeah um only one conference has is a ha- is has had a higher home win percentage than and road win w- road loss percentage than the pac-12 it's conference usa i guess they win they, they have had they've won 85 percent of their road games which is kind of absurd of their home games, sorry. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I think that's a great uh, point, Grapes. Is that it, there's a lot more parity in the league than there has been in quite some time. I don't know, Reed. What do you think? What, what like, what's your conjecture for what's going on? I mean, this is going on yeah. across college basketball. Like, this has been a national narrative. It's playing out in very interesting ways here in the Pac-12. What do you think is going on? I can only really talk about the Pac-12. I mean, the broad
3: narratives. I don't. I don't have an answer for that, but. If you look at like who the culprits are in the Pac-12 specifically, it is like the bad teams have the worst records and then like USC's 1 and 6 on the road, Oregon State's 0 oh and 4 on the road. Um Cal's 1 and 3 on the road. And then the good team, like the really good teams just because of parity I think are near 500. And then the Mountain schools are the other outlier where it's like these are teams based on their quality, based on their Kempom rating, that should be decent teams on the road. And they just fucking suck. And they equally, <laughs> like, equal amount to how much they suck on the road, they're really good at home. So, like, yeah. they weight the scales in both <laughs> sides there. I feel like, I, I really feel like it is a lot about these mountain schools. Like, they are, they're, the gap between them and home and road <laughs> just i think it tilts this whole thing honestly it's true it's, it's like true. and you have to talk about both sides it's not only because they're bad on the road it's because they're really good at home and like those places are hell for everyone else to play in so all of a sudden are, that's why that's why oregon went and two, like in colorado
1: and utah you know um are both mountain schools undefeated at home yes they are yeah
3: so, yeah so i mean God. like it's right there like no one in the conference can get a win on the road trip to colorado and utah and so they everybody can't... has an 0-2 record. <laughs> yeah trick. right so like if everyone has that then yeah probably no one's gonna have that great of a record away i don't know
2: yeah this has been like a a staple of craig smith's utah teams right because even when they were bad at the first couple years, they were still like decent at home. They were still winning home games, but they were consistently fucking awful on the road.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the it's interesting that you that you all bring up the mountain trip, because I think conference teams have dreaded that trip for forever. I mean, it's kind of the one thing. The one thing that's really sad that's going to go away in the Pac-12 is the road trip to the mountain schools, to Utah and to Colorado obviously the elevation i i wonder how much of it is a big part of that um but also you know boulder always has a good environment you know salt lake city eh, okay sometimes it has a great environment um maybe this season it's been a little bit better but pac-12 teams have always struggled uh on the mountain schools someone's got to go do an analysis that's the one trip i think like teams good teams even dread uh it's a it's a really brutal one oregon always struggles um against colorado in particular but they're always to feel like i don't know when's the last time they went two and zero uh on the mountain schools for example so i don't know i mean never I, it's, yeah yeah probably <laughs> never yeah I'm, I'm sure it is never so yeah colorado one two three four five and zero at home and one and four on the road this season obviously utah five and zero and oh and five on the road well uh, it's gonna be sad to see those that go because it was like okay the mount you've got the mountain schools up next like just survive. Get a win. Get one win. Just survive. Oh
2: yeah, and Utah's gonna be fucking paired with BYU now. Yeah. Damn, that's a huge bummer.
0: Is Provo ele- uh, elevate- elevated? Yes. Yeah,
2: okay. but not as much, but yeah.
0: Okay, so it's it's still kind of a high elevation situation. Yeah. Yeah. Going, Absolutely, but it's a Utah bus BYU. right
2: away instead of a flight, which I think has like a very big impact. Interesting. On the that's Colorado interesting. Utah thing.
0: All right. Well. We'll see. That's interesting stuff going on with the road. We'll see how Pac-12 teams fare on the road going forward. All right, let's take a quick ad break. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, some women's hoops. We'll talk about players of the year. We'll talk about contenders and pretenders. All that after the break. Don't go anywhere.
3: No Truck Stops is proud to endorse Home Field as the only brand for college football and basketball consumers who watch teams outside their own. I can speak from experience, over this past football season, home field allowed me to stay in fashion with my evolving rooting interests. In the preseason, I wore this Oski shirt to boast my cow curiosity. When Colorado started off hot, I threw on this beautiful Buffs shirt to commemorate my lifelong fandom. And even in the 11th hour with Washington on the doorstep of a national title, I threw on this Arizona State shirt and the bad vibes from Tempe came through. And of course, now with football season over, I've stocked up on my Oregon gear, like this shirt, as we enter the chase for the offseason season natty. No matter the team, you can be confident in the same soft and comfortable home field quality. Use code NOTRUCKSTOPS23 to assemble your own collection of hats, shirts, hoodies, joggers, and bomber jackets at homefieldapparel.com.
0: Look at that. We got an ad read out of read good fucking hell and about Reed. time and add read of course um good job read <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, let's move on to women's hoops man uh this has been a lot of fun to follow we had one huge result last weekend uh this weekend with a bunch of games happening today sunday as we record this oregon state Beats Colorado in Corvallis. Gil Coliseum having itself its own fun little weekend. Uh, the Beeves beat number three Colorado 68-62 off the back of some brilliant play all around, namely from Donovan Hunter, who went nuclear in this game. She had 16 points. Also did a fantastic job of limiting um, Jalen Sherrod, Colorado's superstar point guard for long stretches of this one. This was a a fun game, a super competitive one, one of the most important, I think, games and results of the season. Oregon State finally breaks through and gets a top 10 win after losing its previous attempts. They finally have a a, a massive win under its belt and a resume-building win. They are 25. They're probably going to jump up to number 15 in the AP poll, giving us yet another top fifteen Pac twelve team. I imagine they would. They absolutely should because they've been flying under the radar all season. Grapes, uh what did you think of this one? Did you get to watch it?
2: Oh yeah. This is such this is such a fun game. I'm so happy for Oregon State fans. Like I bet that was just an electric weekend for them if they made it out to both of these games. I think I was pretty sure that if Oregon State was going to win this one Reagan Beers would have had to go off and they didn't need that in this game like she had a pretty quiet game she had a lot of rebounds nine nine rebounds two assists and then she had six points which is like fine but not what I was expecting for a game where they needed to beat Colorado and Jalen Sherrod but I was really impressed with Oregon State just staying in it and like keeping Sherrod 19 points is a lot of points but like Controlling that and staying in the game was huge for Oregon State, and I agree they should be ranked top fifteen. And it's just another incredible women's basketball team in this conference. Like there's so many, it's so cool.
0: It's really fun to follow. uh Jalen sherrod you're right. Did have 19 points off seven for 14 shooting, but felt like the, the the bulk of those came not the bulk of those, a good chunk of those came in the final five minutes or so when Jalen sherrod had to press when Oregon State had them. You know they were trailing Oregon State mostly Donovan Hunter did a fantastic job in Jalen Sharad. And we've talked about, I've talked about Jalen Girard emerging as a top five player in the Pac-12. I think the the critique about Colorado was they're a well-balanced team. They're super deep. They've got a great bench. They've got great size. But what they didn't have was a superstar. And in this league, superstars reign supreme. Cameron Brink carries Stanford uh, many nights. Not not all nights. We'll get to Kiki often. often. Um, but She carries a lot. Uh, Alyssa Peely, another player who didn't quite carry in her last game, is also someone who carries her team and drags her team to wins, almost by herself sometimes. Colorado didn't have that until about a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, when Jalen Stroud burst onto the scene and and really started to take over and come into her own. Uh, She was fantastic in this game, dealt with some foul trouble. That was kind of part of her maybe not being as aggressive as she wanted to be, Um, but Oregon State did a good job of limiting her. Oregon State also did a great job of, limit, of limiting Frida Foreman. They're the the best shooter in the Pac-12, I think. The best three point shooter in the in the league by a mile. She only took two three point shots. One of them was in desperation um, late in this game. They held her to thirteen points off five total shots. That's pretty impressive, honestly, for Oregon State. Their defense really held up. Um, I mean, but it was both ways. Leigh, uh, an awesome big for Colorado. She did. A, she played a huge role in limiting what Reagan Beers did offensively. Reagan Beers is Oregon State's superstar. She is their best player. And Colorado did a fantastic job. Aaron Vonley did a fantastic job. Aaronette Vonley, sorry, uh, did a fantastic job of um, keeping Reagan Beers in check. But they had other players they can go to. Talia Van Olf- and, Uh She didn't have a great shooting night, but she was contributing in any ways that she could. It was a um, it was a fun game. I'm curious to see how Oregon state progresses because I don't know. Now it's now I have to start rethinking about Oregon state as I already sort of thought of them as like a legit top 25 team, top four seed maybe in the NCAA tournament. Um, But now that they have a win over a really good Colorado team after failing to get a signature win against USC, UCLA, and Stanford, all of those games, by the way, on the road, um, they finally pull one off. So I, I, we got a big one tonight we're not gonna uh, be able to talk about it on this episode but certainly we'll talk about it on twitter they got they got utah now um at gill coliseum utah, utah another...
2: doesn't uh, look great right now <laughs> they don't look great on the road i'll say that uh
0: this whole road shit uh utah whatever it is with the utah sports teams and not being able to perform on the road but looking like gods at home kills me it's so funny there's just um, too much air yeah yeah too much oxygen too much oxygen (laughs) turn down the oxygen (laughs) um but yeah no great for oregon state i think that they have um a real shot at i don't know maybe they're a dark horse national title contender maybe we need to talk about like at least they're going to make a run i think they will make a nice run in the ncaa tournament i would they're obviously locks at this point i think in the net they are oh i just had it here they're number 23 in the net probably should be a little bit higher than that so uh, Reed, what did you have to say? Yeah, I'm I'm just glad you mentioned that fact of
3: like, I, right going into this game and like for whatever reason, I, I just had thought of Oregon State as outside of that, like locked in top five of women's hoops this year in the Pac-12, but then kind of digging into the matchups, like you realize all those teams they've played have been on the road. Like you said, they're 13 and 0 at home, like. And we talked about how much that's mattered on the men's side. It's mattered a lot on the women's side, too. And I feel like they have a real chance, like this game against Utah, obviously, I think in two weeks they have the L.A. schools at home. Like, we'll see how much that kind of home road factor, you know, continues to play out. But I feel like they've gotten a bad draw early on in the season with having to play those game, those really tough games on the road. And we might learn that, like you said, they're more of that top 15 team you know kind of like the rest of them are
1: yeah one of the things that this game taught me because i have not watched as many games on the women's side this year uh just because i haven't been as attached to like the personalities the players you know like I feel like I know what I'm doing when I watch Cal. I don't know what Cal is on the women's side quite as much. But you don't watching need That's this <laughs> watching this Oregon State Colorado game. This is the type of game that makes you fall in love with teams, you know? Like this Oregon State team, I am all the way in. I am all the way in. I am so excited for them in March. Uh, you were talking before we started recording about how sad it is we can't see the women's tournament because it's not at the same time as the men's tournament, and that's when we're going to be in Vegas. I am real sad about it because, like, God, it would be so fun to watch all these teams play, and the women's side has so much talent. Like, just ridiculous amounts of talent on every team, and I I don't know. This game, this game was a religious experience for me. I... <laughs> I'm all in on the Beaves.
2: The women's tournament will probably be more fun than the men's. Oh, honestly. for sure. Like I if mean, you're picking much between better. them, go, go to the women's tournament. You're you're gonna be able to watch like I don't know, six tournament teams play. It's it's I, I don't mean, know, seven. Not
0: just six tournament teams, like four legit national title yeah. contending teams. Yep. Colorado is a legit national title contending team, UCLA a legit national title contending team, Stanford a legit national title contending team. Throw throw USC in there. Or I'd put Oregon State as a dark horse. The thing that's made me so mad, and I know I sound whiny when I say this and I say it all the time, I just am so upset that we get these top five matchups and no one talks about them outside of the Pac-12. Because it's like, it's on the Pac-12 network. And, I, and y'all know I love the Pac-12 network. I think it does great production. I think it treats um, Pac-12 women's basketball as, as well as any um, any network does. But like, there's a reason why Caitlin Clark is like must see television, everyone's talking about her and everyone's watching. She's on ESPN too. She's like right there. You can like you can easily watch those games. She's not on Pac-Twelve Mountain, right? Cause there's here's the thing. In addition to all the top 10 teams playing each other on the Pac-12 networks, they often play each other at the same fucking time. <laughs> yeah. And so there was you get one games
2: at the same time on Friday. Yeah, you get
0: one game on the Pac-12 network and then the other game is like Pac-12 Los Angeles. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? And I get that they don't have control over that. I get that this is a media deal, but like, come on. like, And and it's not like the Pac-12 doesn't have any agreements I mean, with ESPN, like Utah UCLA was on ESPN too. Those games should be taken up. Uh, this a lot of these games, Oregon State, um, Oregon State, Colorado probably shouldn't. I get it. Oregon State maybe is not as highly rated quite yet and highly recognized by the nation quite yet, um, but that's a that's a top 25 team matchup. It's probably a top 15 one by the time we actually get to Monday and the AP poll drops. I mean, we had UCLA, USC. That game was on the Pac-12 networks. So that's an ESPN type game. We had Colorado Stanford, another like top five matchup that should have been on ESPN. It is absurd to me. Like I don't, I have a hard time blaming people for not keeping up with Pac twelve women's hoops because they're buried on these networks. Um, They can't even watch their own men's basketball team or the their football team or whatever. And now all of the best matchups, like all of the most marquee matchups, not just in the conference but in the country. They're on the Pac 12 networks, like all of them, like without indiscriminately. It's absurd.
2: It's especially frustrating because college game day was literally at the South Carolina LSU game, and they're both good teams, but we literally have multiple top five teams in our conference that have played each other that are not getting the press nationwide that they deserve to be. Like, yeah, South Carolina's probably the best team in the country, LSU's not. LSU's like top 10, top 15.
3: Yeah, like, Colorado beat them
2: yeah Colorado (laughs)
3: literally beat LSU yeah yes
2: I don't care about LSU I I know (laughs) that they were a big deal last year but like be serious it makes me so mad it's the
3: fact too like you said like on Friday literally four fucking games were on at the exact same time it's like I don't have Pac-12 network I'm pulling up one on my laptop what am I supposed to do to try to get a like stream of the other three on the (laughs) (laughs) Pac-12 affiliates downstream like
2: it's not (laughs) like they're competing with anyone else because they're all on the Pac-12 network anyway so why can't they be at different times if they're all going to be on the Pac-12 network why can't you spread them out just a little bit
0: same thing today and i know today we have the nfl whatever the Mm -hmm. conference championship (laughs) playoffs whatever they're called um but like even today it's like stanford at arizona okay arizona's struggling a little bit but they've you know they've been fine i i but stanford arizona cal arizona state colorado oregon utah oregon state washington usc those all happen within an hour of each other and then washington state ucla starts at one there's a ranked matchup in there utah and oregon state we that's going to be deeply intriguing that will be must watch television it's all on the pac-12 networks i get it like there's going to be nothing but like five fucking streams about the nfl at 12 p.m like i understand but like man i in some ways like i think that the pac-12 dying is a net negative uh i don't buy this exposure bullshit i kind of do buy it for women's hoops honestly i, I think i kind of do buy that they would probably be best served being on espn plus than the Pac-12 network, they are probably be- being best served getting an occasional a few more games on ESPN two, um than being buried on the Pac-12 network. That's the only salve I think in this is that I do think that having experienced this and seen this now, I do think that the Pac-12 like Pac-12 network is a major liability when it comes to this level of the game. Uh, it's yeah, it's just absurd.
2: frustrating because like yeah it'll be good in next year when they get to have games on espn but they're going to be affected by the amount of travel and then that's going to have an issue with funding like stanford is one of the best teams in the country right now they're probably not going to be next year because they no. have to travel to the east coast yeah like that's I, fucked stanford up.
0: is fucked i think stanford yeah. yes i think my exception to that is stanford is fucked um which is wild to say because that's like saying yeah duke is like has to travel all the way to the west coast just to survive and it's like do really that's that's where we're at right now um yeah. stanford is at that level of a program obviously um with tara vanderveer right uh at being being the coach that she is but anyway i know we we're talking about oregon state colorado i mean there's a lot of great games i think people to the extent that you can watch these games watch your own team especially in the, if they're in that top six even top seven like washington state is a is a good team like they're struggling in conference play because this league is just a bloodbath but they're also a really good team I think they're a top 25 level team. They're a top 25 in Kempom. Arizona has really their only losses have been really really tough close losses like they're losing heartbreakers um except to Washington State. Um and you know, uh Cal, okay, it's not great. Don't you don't have to pay, okay, you don't have to pay attention to Cal. You don't have to pay attention to Arizona State. You don't have to pay attention to fucking Oregon. Oregon's horrible. God damn uh, it. Fire uh, Kelly Grace. <laughs> I would be
3: so excited for this season if we could just import the Sabrina teams into this year. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> but it's it is yeah. depressing to watch
0: Oregon. Yeah, Oregon's pull, Sadly, really, really bad, really bad stuff. All right, well, that is our recap of the games. Let's get to the rest of them. Rapid fire. All right. Let's start with uh, women's hoops. Uh, no, we're starting with men's hoops. My bad. Uh, Oregon State swept the Arizona schools at Gil Coliseum. We talked about the Jordan Pope game winner. beeves followed that up with an 84-71 win over Arizona State. Grapes, we fill in another uh, 2021 magical win for the beeves
2: Oh, I really hope so. I don't think it will happen, but I really hope so. <laughs>
0: uh, me too. Next up, UCLA beat USC at the Galen Center. 65-50 for Mick Cronin's first ever win at the Galen Center. The Bruins have now won three of their last four after losing 8 of 9. Reed, is UCLA back? I mean, they're another team that's going to be
3: playing on (laughs) Wednesday in the tournament. Like, you know, for as frustrating as UCLA has been, it would be electric if they made a run through the Pac-12 tournament. And maybe there's something there. They kind of look back. I don't know. I don't know. Um,
1: Hopefully they're back. Greg, is UCLA back? No, but... But maybe later. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Another rivalry
0: game here. Cal beat Stanford at Haas Pavilion 73-71 in a thriller. Six Bears scored in double di- double digits against the Cardinal as Cal improves to eight and twelve after hor- after a horrific season from twenty twenty four. Grapes, should Mark Matson be a Pac-Twelve Coach of the Year candidate?
2: I mean, probably just because they were so bad last year. <laughs> Didn't they have like three wins or something? Yeah, three wins. It was yeah, yeah. If you triple that. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's probably going to triple it. And Cal
2: looks a little dangerous. They're Cal's, looking a
0: little scary right now.
3: Cal's not the worst team in the conference. Oregon State's not the worst team in the conference. Like, who is it?
2: Who is it? it? USC. Tag, USC, <laughs> tag. You're it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and last one for the men here. ASU goes 0-2 in its trip to the Oregon schools. They were largely not competitive in either of these games. Greg, are the Chaos Devils officially dead?
1: Yes. Oh, They're, they're dead. Bobby Hurley... Needs. To. I hate him. I hate him so much. He's wasting <laughs> my sweet, beautiful boy, Frankie Collins, who is perfect and has never done anything wrong.
2: Yeah, he should be fired. Yeah. But, like, uh,
3: no one's like none of these teams are dead until Arizona turns into an absolute juggernaut. Arizona State, again, like I will say, can make a run. They can be chaotic and make a run through a the Magdalene. tournament. Honestly. Like no one until Arizona morphs into a legit top five team, no one else is dead.
0: Arizona State gets the Bay Area schools at home. It's going to be fun. Arizona State Cal. I'm, I'm tuning into that one. That was going to be yeah <laughs> sneaky good. Uh, moving on to the women here. Stanford continued its onslaught, beating ASU 80-50 to on Friday night. And UCLA also bounced back after a brutal overtime loss to Utah. They recovered by beating UW 62-44 after the Huskies challenged UCLA for about three quarters. Meanwhile, Utah beat Oregon 58-48 after themselves looking pretty poopy for most of that game Alyssa Peely had a brutal outing perhaps her worst of the season she still had 16 points but off 18 shots uh so brutal night for her but the Moose prevailed regardless USC bounced back itself controlling their game against Wazoo at the Galen center they win 70-62 and Arizona finally breaks through and beats Cal 66-55 after dropping four straight on the road Grapes, you can start us off. Any reflections on women's hoops uh, this week? Obviously, we're missing the Sunday games. All 12 teams are in action. We talked a little bit about that. But quick thoughts on uh, women's hoops.
2: Feeling bad about Utah. Feeling pretty bad about Utah. If you're going to drop a stinker like that, it's good it's against Oregon because you can actually win that game playing your worst game all year. But you really need Alyssa Peely to score 20-plus points to win these games. And they're going to Oregon State. And I don't feel good about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah oh uh, just here under an hour it's gonna be fun or two hours any other thoughts about uh from the boys on uh women's hoops i think
3: usc's performance against wazoo is probably the most impressive of that bunch utah's mm. win against oregon is worthless that's a loss, yes. <laughs> that's a loss. <laughs> I feel
1: worse about that we feel worse <laughs> after that win i think than we did before it yep. uh <laughs> yeah usc if you're curious is 16th in the net right now they did
0: they stood pat after that win over wazoo so did wazoo wazoo stayed at 22 but yeah gonna be really really interesting all right i got a quick quick game here We're running a little long so we'll try to get through this pretty quickly got a little game of contender and pretender both pac 12 men's and women's hoops wide open right now in league play uh we have some national title hopefuls sprinkled in there we've got some conference contenders we've got uh a lot of different teams here so let's let's do a little bit of contender pretender for some of the teams at the top and maybe even at the bottom let's start first with the women let's start with ucla grapes ucla women's hoops in is seventh in the net rankings they were up uh until this week up until this week they were the highest ranked team in they people from the pac-12 uh in terms of national title as- aspirations UCLA contenders or pretenders?
2: Oh, they're contenders, absolutely. They have too much talent. They're too deep, and now that they have bets coming off the bench, I think that's like a, a very good adjustment. So yeah, they're they're real. Oh, was she? Okay,
0: yeah. I think bets bets was hurt. Um, but yeah, she was hurt. Um, and we'll see when she comes back. Um, but yes, you're right. I, I okay. Here's here's I I think they're contenders, but I'm feeling a little. I'm I'm feeling a little weird about them right now. That game against Washington did not look good. And if they need Lauren Betts that bad, um, they did pull away. Maybe I'm being too harsh. I'm worried about UCLA a little bit. Uh, the, the loss to Utah in Salt Lake city had me a little bit spooked. Um, I think Lauren Betts, they need Lauren Betts, but at the same time, Lauren Betts is like, she gives you a lot of size. She gives you a lot of shot blocking, but she can get She's exploited slow. defensively. Yeah. She just they didn't need her against Colorado. There. They definitely, yeah. I mean, uh, they played well against Colorado with her, and they certainly used her. I, it's so hard the Lauren Bet situation. Analytically, their best player by a huge margin. I don't know. I'm feeling I'm feeling a little weird about them. I think they have the pieces to be a contender, but I'm I don't feel as good as I did you know a week ago. um So even I, I could have I tolerated. I thought the loss against USC was fine. It was at the Galen Center. It was a bit of a revenge game. The loss at Utah, the way it happened was a little worrisome. And then against this game, uh, this Washington game, I don't know. Greg, uh, Reed, any thoughts about UCLA as a contender or pretender? Contender, I think. Yeah,
3: they're a contender. I think it's tough because you look like they lost two out of three, and that looks really bad. But then you say this conference is, like, ridiculously difficult, and it becomes more understandable. Like, I totally agree with your thoughts on the USC loss was pretty understandable.
0: Well, sticking with the women, let's go to USC. They've now dropped two three, losing at Utah and at Colorado, getting beat by twenty against the Moose. Grapes, start with you again. Uh, Are they contenders, pretenders? They just uh, feeling feeling a little fraudulent, or do you feel like the mountain trip is just too much?
2: I think it's the mountain trip. I mean, those are two of the best teams in the conference. Like, especially obviously the Colorado game. That's not a huge deal losing that one. Um, But yeah, Juju Watkins is too good for them not to be a contender.
0: Yeah, I've got some thoughts here, but Greg Reed, any thoughts about USC?
1: I mean, like like Avery said, Juju Watkins is just so electric. Uh, She carries them, and she does it so well that I think you can give them a pass for a rough mountain trip.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. The idea of great guard play can carry you in March, Like if that's true, then no one's going to have it better than Juju Watkins, really.
0: Yeah, Juju Watkins is a, a ridiculous player. Um, didn't have a great game against Washington State. Here's the thing: is that Juju Watkins has to take a vast, vast majority of USC shots. Um, hopefully, it creates some stuff for other people. They got to get. They do got to get other contributions. I'm gonna I'm gonna say USC is a contender in terms of like getting to a Final Four. I think they absolutely have a shot to do that. But I think it might be a year early for Juju Watkins. We'll see if uh, Raya Marshall. They're big. I think went, can go really quiet sometimes. Mackenzie Forbes, their best shooter. I don't know. She's in and out sometimes, so uh, it's really Juju Watkins. And then if she's not going, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough time. Uh, last woman's team here, contender, pretender. Stanford. They played three ranked teams: Utah, Colorado, Oregon State. They're two and one. The loss of the Buffs. People talking a little bit about their guards. Grapes. What do you think? Contender or pretender?
2: I mean, they're the most well coached team in the conference, right? I I think that matters a lot, and they're just always going to be consistently good. It, I don't know. It's hard because when you're talking about them in terms of national contender, con- t- national title contenders, you're like comparing them to the other Pac-12 teams because that's probably who they're going to be competing against. So having losses against the other Pac-12 teams doesn't make me feel as bad as like if you're looking at the men's side of things. So yeah, I mean, I I would say they're in it too, but I, I feel like I can't say that I, about four <laughs> Pac-12 teams all in a row.
0: <laughs> I yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and go on a limb here i think they're pretenders I um, think so um, cameron brink really good player really great two-way player does not i don't know if she's as capable of, of, of carrying an offense the way that a uh, juju watkins is a way that the way that uh, Jalen sherrod is the way that an Alyssa peely is and on top of that uh they don't have great guard play i think their guards are a little, a little stinky. They got a little, That's they got fair. a little stink on them. I don't. I think they have a hard time getting it on the interior to Cameron Brink. Kiki Arioffen, uh, their second best player, is another big, and she's fantastic. I really like Kiki Arioffen. I think she's going to be all conference first team. We'll see because there's a lot of great bigs in this conference, but. They need guards they need guard play they need good guard play and i'm not sure how much they have it right now i feel really weird about stanford i feel a little bit weird about ucla i'm i've like some questions but stanford is giving me some weird vibes right now i they're winning games um, but they've got to play some of the best teams left they got they had to play colorado and did not look good against colorado all those weaknesses that i mentioned got exploited against colorado i think I think Stanford is the team I trust of these four. I think they're the one I trust the least. Um, I think they're the one whose roster I'm the least impressed by. Um, But, you know, we'll see. They've got um, Arizona today. They'll get USC and UCLA at home next week. Big test. Yeah. That'll be fun. Again, those games should be nationally televised. Um, They probably won't be, but those games will be massive tests Those that will be those will be the games of the week that week um and so we'll see where they come out on the other side of that they, they host both of them they beat both USC and UCLA at Maples it's gonna be weird um do
2: you think we're gonna get a couple of Pac-12 teams in the final four maybe more than a couple
0: god if they get more than a couple three of the four <laughs> you're saying all four all Pac-12 team final four South Carolina does look good um, <laughs> Yeah, they're pretty good. Um, i have been dunked on by south carolina fans for quite a while um they do look very good they are beating everyone in their path i but um they utah also almost beat them yeah utah almost beat them without they had just lost niepkins. their second best player without Yan niepkins and that was, that, if that game's in Salt Lake City, I'm picking Utah to beat South Carolina, honestly. I think South Carolina's doing a great job of beating the shit out of everyone in front of them and then beating, you know, an LSU. But who else is standing in their way? I Like, they just, they do not have to play in the Pac-12. And that is the thing that's, like, killing me. The Pac-12 is the best basketball conference in the country. And um, the SEC is, like, it's fine. They've got South Carolina, they got LSU. I think they might have, like, Mississippi State or something like that is fine. But I, I don't trust... Any of those teams to be able to hack it in the um in the pac 12 honestly if i'm being honest so i guess we'll i guess we'll find out um all right let's move over really really quick to the men's side we got two of them here i've got two uh, obviously the first one uglier picture let's start with the team at the top let's talk about their national
1: title inspirations we'll start with greg greg arizona are they contenders or pretenders this is a tough question because i want to say they're like I think they'll be a good dark horse once we get to the tournament. Like they've been bad mm. enough this season that I don't think of them as frauds anymore, and I'm ready to buy in again for a March run. Uh, they're finding new and innov- innovative ways to trick me, but uh, I'll say pretender, but also like maybe a sneaky contender once March turns around. I don't know. Read.
3: I love Caleb Love in March. Uh, <laughs> I hate him when he's playing Oregon. But yeah, I can they make a final four? Probably not. Uh, they're probably pretenders like to do anything that significant. They're probably pretenders. I could see them getting to like an elite eight probably is their ceiling.
0: Yeah, I don't. Graves. Uh, what do you think? arizona national title contenders yeah, they're or not national
2: title contenders i'm sorry <laughs> you I, I i won't be convinced like I, maybe they'll get to a sweet 16 but i don't i wouldn't even like bet on that
0: yeah i think they're doing these we, this weird like sleeping against bad teams that they did last year and what had happened in the tournament they slept walked against princeton and got their asses kicked um yeah I, i'm feeling man arizona's got me in a weird space right now. I think that they are they're looking a little frothy. Um next one here, let's talk about this in terms of winning the Pac-12, like being conference contenders. Oregon, they are tied for first in in um in the Pac-12. What do you think, Reed? We can start with you. Are Oregon men's hoops are they contenders or pretenders?
3: I I think that they're contenders. I really like this Oregon team. Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> I I don't know these losses like when you go back and look at them like they lost the mountain schools they lost to Arizona when Arizona was shooting well that uh, is Oregon the best team in the conference no but I think that they're going to be a hat in the ring and like they can they can beat any team in this conference I I firmly believe that Um, so yes they are contenders.
1: Reed, I mean, Greg? Uh, definitively, they are contenders for me. Uh, when Ooh. you have a player as good as in Folly Dante, also got Nate Biddle, and then Jackson Sh- Sh- Shellstad can be great. Jermaine Cousinard has been great this year. I-, I think they have all it takes to win the Pac 12. Uh, probably won't do it, but like they'd probably be number two if I was ranking Pac 12 teams. Definitely a contender.
0: Grapes, what do you think? Oregon, contender, pretender. Yeah. For the I, conference. Think
2: con- I think they're contenders for Ooh. the Pac twelve too. Interesting. I'm gonna say pretenders
0: Ooh. because I, I I uh the last couple weeks have not been promising to me. I know that they were tough games at the mountain schools and then home against Arizona did beat the shit out of Arizona State. I like I'm not sure. I think we're starting to see that like Jackson Shellstad is very good, but also still a freshman. I think we had some I had some questions like is this a unique kind of freshman? Is this a different kind of freshman where it's like he's going to be, he's going to come in and immediately be a rock star and kick everyone's ass. Um, I, that's not quite happening. Jackson Shelstead is doing some freshmany type things. I think he is a freshman, a very good freshman, but a freshman nonetheless. Um, and I'm not sure that you can lean on a, a true freshman point guard, um, the way that Oregon needs to lean on Jackson Shelstead, the way that they need him to distribute the ball and get the ball to, and infali Dante, and Dante, and Nate Biddle, a Kwame Evans. Like, I'm not sure he can be that guy. And their backup guard, Keyshawn Barthelemy, might be out for extended periods of time. I don't know if we have a report on that. I'm feeling a little pretender-y about Oregon, but. That's that's how I feel. One last one do
2: you mean the conference tournament or like just a like conference conference
0: championship. Like can they win the regular season conference championship?
2: I mean, they're in a pretty good position to do they're it, tied. though, aren't they, Tied? Yeah, they already yeah, have the mountain trip,
0: too, so you don't have to chalk yeah. up two losses going forward. they got to go to the L.A. schools, though. Uh, they've got to go to Oregon, Stanford, and Cal in the middle of the season. Going
2: to the L.A. schools does not mean not, does, not mean. the empty poly
0: Pavilion and, <laughs>
1: and Galen Center. Oh,
2: no. All
0: right, next one here, then. Here, <laughs> here's the next one. Contenders or pretenders for an NCAA tournament bid? UCLA. Pretenders.
2: Pretenders. Need Pretenders.
0: To fuck off. Jesus.
2: Is okay. Lizar Stefanovic still starting? <laughs> like, <laughs> l- l- I will
0: say this about UCLA. Uh, people can go check out the various and sundry Twitter spaces I've done over the weeks about UCLA to gain insight into this. I think they have figured something out. I think the Utah loss has woken them up in ways that I, did not, I was not sure about. Um, I think that their defense has been more connected than it ever has been um and is actually like they're not just hustling and trying hard but actually doing really really good stuff uh defensively offensively they look a little bit more than competent they look dare i say decent over these past four games they're averaging 1.07 points per possession over the past four games um and they're three and one in that stretch they only lost a very good arizona team in tucson and it was a six point loss um and they had they had arizona for long stretches of that game i think I think UCLA is figuring it out. I think that they have to... They don't have a huge margin for error. I think they've got one, maybe two losses that they can afford. But I also only really see one or two... I only see three games I'm, as a UCLA follower, I'm worried about. Uh, At Cal, at Wazoo, um, and home against Arizona. I think the rest are eminently winnable. Including home against Colorado, home against Utah. Um, I think... I think they are a contender for an NCAA tournament bid. I think we will be talking about them on the bubble. Here's my prediction, my hot take: by March 9th, when the game, when the Arizona State game is over, we will see UCLA on Joe Lenardi's sheet of in, somewhere in the bubble. It could be in considered. It could be a last four out. It could be a next four out. You know what? They are going to show up on that sheet. I
2: would, I would say that that is possible simply because they're UCLA and they're a blue, yeah. blue, and it's brand name thing and. I did drags. play a good non con like
1: schedule too.
2: But I think you're doing a lot of fan brain stuff right
3: now. <laughs> We're talking We're, about the number 136 team oof. in
0: the net rankings. <laughs> They're number number 99 in Kempom, though, now. <laughs> <laughs> They're inside the
1: <laughs> top <laughs> rankings. Let's coming. go. <laughs> <laughs>
3: they when, the, yeah, when, when we add another round of the NCAA tournament, maybe they're on the bubble <laughs> for
1: 128.
0: <laughs> uh we'll see i don't know I'm, I'm feeling weird but you're right at the very minimum they're going to be a problem in the conference tournament we'll see how that goes all right well that's it that's all we had thank you so much for coming to talk with us a lot of fun basketball games to watch especially on the women's side go watch those those are today go honk for your women's teams um and of course if you're dying for pac 12 football content go check out our patreon and on I we got a lot of stuff for y'all we'll have more this week but for now that's reed that's greg that's grapes i'm carlos Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you all for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here.
1: 91. still and with smoke.
2: So picking makes you chill in, the cup is kicking, and my patience to everything, said I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city
1: street, things aren't always greener on the sunny side of the street, and I don't mind if the sun don't shine, bloody weather suits we find,
2: Pouring another glass of wine, on the boat tonight, I think I'll be a superstar.